What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, the season is underway and the Cats are undefeated 1-0 after a pounding of Mount St. Mary's on Tuesday night. The Cats and the rest of the Big East undefeated after night one Good of, of basketball, even though uh, Providence really sweated it out a little bit there uh, for your family. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not. And it was Fairfield. And, and it was Fairfield. Fairfield. Exactly. <laughs> no, but yes, Villanova, of course, you know, just kind of a throttling of Mount St. Mary's 91 to 51 there. It, it was just great to see everyone in action. Maybe most importantly, it was just nice to have everyone back in the arena for the first game back at the Fenneran Pavilion since February 2020. Please tell us about it. You were there. It seemed so cool. It was obviously weird timing Tuesday at 430. Yes. But yeah, tell us what it was like to be back. No, well, the first thing is I got to talk to the great Eugene Repay, of course, of yes. this podcast of View Hoops. And you know, he wrote an awesome game recap for anyone that hasn't read that yet on View Hoops. So it's good to catch up with him. And it was, you know, amazing to be back in the arena. I was able to go with my dad. Uh, the students really brought it, which was great. You know, it brought an awesome atmosphere from the start. You could definitely tell that alumni and everyone there were were just really pumped to be back and kind of share this experience, the kind of that main level that's right where you walk in was very very crowded you know right up until around tip off uh it was just great to be back that's the simplest way to put it uh and it definitely it felt like a Villanova basketball game again and that's all we can ask for right Pat are you the are you in the alumni section oh my god I just realized I am oh Um, my god you're one of those people when you go in drinking on the bottom what that's so classy of you I wish I don't have access down there as I did with the media passes Uh, I'm, I'm up top but all right, <laughs> it's still, just good to be still in. pretty good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm also was just laughing so hard the entire day yesterday, because if you listen to the last episode, which if you haven't, you should, because we do a full player breakdown of every single person on the Villanova roster. Pat and I ended the episode with some game predictions mm. and Pat, I'm not sure if you remember yours. I do. We were a little off. I believe I was 70 to 60 and you were 77 59. And the final score was 91 to 51. <laughs> <laughs> so a little off in the first game, but we'll bounce back. Hopefully we'll get a little better at predicting scores as the season goes on. Yeah. Well, so listen, I think you take it as a good thing. <laughs> that Villanova came out swinging. Um, I, I'm not surprised that they held Mount St. Mary's in the fifties. I am surprised that they were able to put up 91 on a team that has been a good defensive team, you know, over the past couple seasons uh, and as well for Villanova, really trying to find, you know, an offensive groove with Jeremiah Robinson Earl out, you know, obviously going on to the NBA, things are a little different and the, you know, the offense for the most part was in rhythm. Totally. All right. So before we get into the nitty gritty, we just have a few housekeeping things that we want to get out of the way first. so We can start talking about the fun things. Everybody who has followed us on Twitter, who has thrown the podcast a review, who has engaged with us in any way. Thank you so much. It's been so fun doing this for the last few weeks. Now we are going to up the stakes a little bit and make things fun. And also all the people that have left questions for us every Thursday, we are going to answer questions. Pat mentioned that before, but we're going to add a little wrinkle now. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is, ser- is search either VU Hoops or State of the Nova Nation in Apple Podcasts. Find the pod, leave a review, ask us a question about ourselves, about Villanova, about the Big East, 
anything basketball related, and we will answer it on the Thursday pod. So we really appreciate that. It really helps the algorithm in Apple get the show out there, get as many listens as possible. And then the second thing, what we're very excited about is that as I'm sure you guys all are, Pat and I will be watching every game avidly all season <laughs> long. We will be live tweeting the game. So make sure to throw both of us a follow on Twitter. I am at Emma underscore Houghton nine. And Pat is at pzang 15. We'll throw both of those in the episode description so you can reference it again, but throw both of us a follow. We'll be tweeting during the games and we can continue that conversation over on Twitter as well. Yeah, looking forward to seeing everyone's questions that come in and, and looking forward to talking a little Villanova basketball as the season progresses. Awesome. So amazing segue. Let's start talking about some Villanova basketball. 91 to 51. I completely agree with you. I think St. Mary's, Mount St. Mary's was a, a very respectable opponent going to this game. And there were a lot of things that Villanova had to o- overcome in order to make this a blowout. But in no way did I expect the offense to groove this quickly so early on and to have the rotation where it was. So, yeah, I think that's where we should start. I don't know how you feel, but that was absolutely amazing to watch all 40 minutes. If you want to talk about the offense and you want to talk about how it was grooving, let's talk about the lead DJ for for it. And that would be Justin Moore for the performance that we saw. And was it? Let's just let's start with this. If you are not on the Justin Moore hype train, as I tried to get you on, uh, you know, through the first couple episodes, please get on now because that train will be departing the station very, very soon. <laughs> Good for you, Pat. You're not letting anyone hop off. You are firmly on. Everybody get on. If you're going to be lagging, Pat is surely going to leave you in the dust. Yeah, he is, <laughs> he is moments away from departing. I mean, a career high 27 points in the season opener he was absolutely electric we've talked about it so much at this point at Big East Media Day all he did was talk about his jump this offseason and how he was going to bring explosiveness and intensity on Mm -hmm. both sides of the ball and I think that was incredibly apparent he was nine for 15 from the floor six for eight from three he had four free throws made three of them he was able to get to the line it was just an incredible coming out party for him because I saw a really funny tweet. I think it was the full 40. It was the Michael Jordan mean. Yeah. And it was Justin Moore saying he didn't get named to the all big East first team and Justin Moore's face on Michael Jordan's body saying, and I took that personally. And I think that he did. Cause he came out there, as you said, the 27, six from eight, six of eight from deep. And what I think I really looked at, and it's something he did talk about over the summer too, was he wanted to become more assertive. And that's exactly what Moore did. There was no hesitancy in anything that he did out there on the floor yesterday. He was he put up the threes. He hit six out of eight of them, which is great. But he also did a really nice job getting into the lane, you know, using his dribble moves. He's becoming one of the, you know, the next kind of in the line of Villanova post move type players and not, you know, the Jalen Brunson back him down type player, but the ability to go to a hop step you know, and pivot off that foot, use a spin move. I think we're seeing it more and more from Justin. And we saw it a couple times yesterday. He was also very strong on defense. What I also want to point out when we talk about assertiveness and taking his game to the next level, team high seven assists. And remember, Justin is not the primary ball handler. It's mostly going to be in Colin Gillespie's hand. He still found a way to lead the team in assists. I don't know how you can come out of this and not be super, you know, you know, pumped and, and excited 
what you saw from Justin Moore. I think it's only the beginning here. He will be Big East all, you know, first team at the end of the season. Stand wow. by that. And um, you know, what, what more could you ask for for game one from him? Yeah, and there are so many players that you could give that same sentiment to, right? Mm -hmm. What more could you have asked? I also wanted to talk about the assist number. We talked about not so much what a problem it could be, but how much this team could be elevated if Justin Moore could step into a more ball-distributing role Mm -hmm. because he seemed very, very capable of running the point yesterday when Colin Gillespie wasn't on the floor. And even when Colin Gillespie is on the floor, having another primary ball handler like Justin Moore makes this team so dangerous. Their guard play yesterday was so, so good. And so athletic too. Justin Moore is so athletic. Yes. Yeah, it it was. And I look at it and I don't even know if he has to be a primary ball handler. He just has to be a guy that you feel comfortable with the ball in his hands, you know, as a distributor. I think we saw that yesterday, which is, you know, big improvement because going back from his, you know, freshman year and of course, sophomore year, he could do it a little bit, but you know, he was definitely more of an off ball type guard. If you see him grow into being a little more comfortable on it, I think that'll be very important as Villanova progresses through the season and be able to get a little more experimental with lineups and be able to give Gillespie a little bit more of a breather. Definitely. Good point. Also a team high 33 minutes Mm -hmm. to jump from last year. I think we continue to see that man. You could without a doubt, 100% say preseason that this team runs through Colin Gillespie. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that true. That's true. It does. But seeing the way that Justin Moore played lately, he's going to be a huge problem for opponents. I I think so. I'm uh, this is a big year for Justin Moore. You know, he's got a chance to really get on a lot of people's radars. And I think he started off exactly how everyone would have wanted him to with a huge, huge performance. Just looking at it to 20 points in 25 minutes is how he yeah. started off that game. I mean, that that is legit scoring capabilities. 100%. Let's shift to a player that also exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. Another career high. Another guy where the train is going to leave the station very, very soon. So make sure to hop on before <laughs> it leaves. Brandon Slater, career high, 17 points. Talk about adding that offensive presence. 28 minutes, five for seven from the floor, five for seven from three pointer. Brandon Slater, are you kidding me? Four rebounds, five assists, one steal. I don't know what more you have to say about what he put in in the offseason to earn the starting spot. And my God, did it pay off for him? He looked good down low. He was able to comfortably shoot the three, which Mm -hmm. even I didn't expect to look so natural for him. Again, we were talking about when I said adding a defensive presence, I was thinking four to six points a game. And I am in no way saying that we should be expecting 17 from Brandon Slater night in and night out. (laughs) Definitely not. But to see him become this offensive weapon like he did and still be the best defender on this team. What a night for Brandon Slater. No, you definitely went at it there. 17 points, as you said, new career high. Eclipses 13, which was he set a year ago. Uh, what I look most from it, other than the three-point shooting, which I'll touch on again in a second, is that he looked comfortable. And, you know, that, that's something that I think Brandon Slater, he's always been very comfortable on defense because he's such a good athlete. He's so intelligent. He understands the system. He uses that length. He gets in passing lanes. He does so much on the defensive end. We saw it again yesterday. We'll talk about that a little more uh, in a little bit. But he looked very comfortable on offense, not just shooting, as you said, five assists to go with it as well, meaning that, you know, he saw a lot of the ball and he made a lot of it when he had it. 
as you said, five of seven from three, the stat that blows my mind. And this was, I saw this from CJ Holmes article on the athletic, those five made threes that he made against St. Mary's that is half of his total season made threes from last year. He made 10 all season long and five in game one, just to look at the improvement of him. Think about it as a freshman, he shot 0% from three zero. And he goes out and shoots five for seven in his first game of his senior year. I don't know how you can't be really impressed by Brandon Slater. I don't know how you can't be really happy for Brandon Slater to see the progression through that. And again, you know, we talk about Justin Moore coming out and really, you know, hitting the ground running to start the season. Brandon Slater. I mean, you talk about the points. I said, if we could look at him, he averaged four points a game last year. If he could do eight, think of how important that would be to double it. He put up 17 to your point. I don't think he's going to put up 17 at night, but he showed that he's got the ability to score. Yeah, he's listed at six, seven, and two twenty, and he confidently shot five of seven from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. I just want to let that sink in for a second. That is expanding his role. Just a bit. That is more than expanding his role. They need him. They need him to be the defensive guy, and man, for him to add seventeen points. I also think the minutes is very, very important, and it, it goes is. into how much he worked this offseason because he averaged 16.8 minutes per game. And in game one, he played 28 minutes. Think about the conditioning jump that that has to take to be out on the court for uh, be out on the court for 12 minutes longer than you were last game. The senior leadership, this feels like this could be Brandon Slater's team, right? It just he commands respect. He's the hype guy. You could see it on the court and everything was working for him. We'll talk about this. It's not going to be 40 point games every single time, right? This was definitely a very, very high point. I think things could change very quickly on Friday when they play UCLA, Mm -hmm. but to see him come out, like you said, running the way he did is so impressive to see. Yeah. Listen, this will always be Colin Gillespie's team as as currently constituted. But the thing for Villanova is finding who else can be counted on to score the basketball when they need it. And if Brandon Slater can give them some sort of an option here, they finish with four starters and double figures. That's really, really important. It's going to go a long way against a lot of these teams, these better teams that we'll start to see on Friday. Yeah. And four or five starters were in double figures. It was also more than 13 points, Mm -hmm. (laughs) double finger, double figures. So yeah, what a showing, uh, where do you want to go next? Who should we talk about next? I say the last one that I think had a, a really good game was Jermaine Samuels. You know, mm-hmm. you're a guy that you love to point out. And it was the most Jermaine Samuels game, you know, of, of all time. Didn't take a ton of field goals, but when seven of eight of those field goals, you know, was an interior presence, played really solid defense. Just he did everything that Jermaine Samuels does. And, and with that, again, I, I don't look at him as a top scorer. I think it's going to be Gillespie. It's going to be more. He'll be looked at more as that tertiary option. Maybe Slater can grow into it. Jermaine Samuels did exactly what you would want him to do. Now, rebounding still may be a little bit of an issue. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but uh, he did lead the team in rebounds with six. Yeah, don't love to hear that in the same sentence. Leads the team with rebounds with six. Agreed. But anyways, no, we'll get to that definitely later. Do you remember the my favorite part about Jermaine Samuels' game? No. It's his jump, jump stop. And I remember saying on Did You Hear last year that I don't understand why opponents don't just swarm him whenever he gets the ball because all he ju- all he does is jump stop, and it seems like defenses can never handle it. And he did it again. Yep. It's another year of the Jermaine Samuels 
jump stop, and then basically a Euro step. And he lays it in. I love when he doesn't take shots because he is such a strong finisher in the paint. And that's what he should just be pounding. He doesn't have the size to match up to some of the good guys, some of the big guys, excuse me, but Mount St. Mary's size is definitely not their advantage or strength. So he was able to beat up on some of those small fours and he looked so strong, so physical, so confident with the ball, which he doesn't usually, he doesn't usually get into that groove until the big East play starts. So to see him playing this way against the first opponent, I love, I love that point about him being the tertiary. Maybe Slater is the fourth option. Maybe they switch on and off. If they can move him away from a shooting role, more into a paint role, more into a defensive role, this team only gets better and better. Yeah. And I think with Samuels, he did play to that strength where we did see him get in the lane. He used, you know, again, to use the word again, uh, he used his strength around the basket, a couple Euro steps from him, really nice finishes. And that's what we want to see Jermaine Samuels do. You know, only one of two from three. I'm okay with that. I, I don't think there's totally. any problem with that. I, I like him around the basket. And, uh, and, and we saw that's where he stayed for most of the game. And it was a very strong game for Jermaine. There should be absolutely no game where Jermaine Samuels has a high in field goal attempts or three-point attempts. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in a good way. There are other better shooters on this team than Jermaine Samuels. There are not a lot of other paint and lane players than Jermaine Samuels on this team. They have the depth this year where they can play to their strengths. And that's what Jermaine Samuels should be playing to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's kind of crazy that we, we go through this and we're only going to touch on him now, but I think it kind of talks about the game as getting this deep in. And now we bring up Colin Gillespie. I know. <laughs> of course, the, the big thing was that he was out on the floor, you know, coming back from that injury he suffered in the Creighton game with the MCL. I, I thought it was steady from Gillespie. Definitely nothing great. He, he didn't look like he was in full rhythm. I'm not sure you would expect him to be back in full rhythm mm-hmm. in his first game back. It's going to take a little bit of time to log some game minutes and really look completely comfortable. He was definitely a little quieter in the first half, looked a little bit better in the second half. They didn't need Gillespie to really explode in this game. So I, I'm completely fine with him just trying to get his feet under him. And he was still fine. You know, five of 12, 13 points. My favorite stat that always goes with Colin Gillespie, zero turnovers, which is really, really key as a lead guard to go with his five assists. Steady is the best way I could describe his game. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I don't think anybody needs to panic. No, Colin Gillespie has had plenty of flashy games, and this certainly wasn't one of them. But let's also remember that not too long ago, he was on the floor with a torn MCL. Mm -hmm. So he definitely needs a little bit of a grace period. That being said, I don't think you could tell that he was recovering from an injury. I mean that very much in a good way. I take the holistic approach here. Even if Colin Gillespie only contributes 13 points, even if he only shoots three of eight from three, this team doesn't look like itself when Colin Gillespie isn't on the court. So if Colin Gillespie wasn't on the court, this is a different team. This is is not a team that shoots 55%. This is not a team that shoots 53% from three, has 21 assists, 13 steals without Colin Gillespie on the court. So Mm -hmm. even if he's not the flashiest player, he is still the lifeblood, the heartbeat, the leader of this team. And and we definitely should not be forgetting that. Agreed. Agreed. And then to round out kind of at least player wise, what I, what I thought was the most positive was that 
pretty much everyone got in the game. You know, you got to see all the freshmen other than Angelo Brizzy, which I think leads into the fact that we're not facts, but the idea that he's most likely going to be a redshirt this year, which is completely yep. fine, but Expected, we all probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. But you know, we got to see Jordan Longino. We got to see Trey Patterson. We got to see Nana and Joku, which that really surprised me because, you know, we discussed it on the podcast earlier in the week. Jay and this coaching staff really values practice time and Nana just hasn't had it but they still felt comfortable to put him out there for nine minutes, which was, was very cool to see. I, I mean, I thought it was nice that all the freshmen got decent minutes. I mean, Trey Patterson had the least of those minutes and it was at eight. Uh, no one really asserted themselves. I think Njoku did, you know, an okay job kind of on the rebounds. Definitely, you know, struggled with rotation a little bit. Mongino probably looked the best defensively where he was able to get two steals, including a breakaway um, and Patterson, it was a little bit of a struggle for him, but he did get his first, you know, two collegiate points. It was just great to see all the freshmen go out there. Of course, a learning curve. Um, the biggest takeaway from this is that I don't know if we can have a takeaway from it <laughs> because yeah. I have a feeling you saw the freshmen play like this because it was a 40 point win because it was at home to Mount St. Mary's. I'm not sure how many minutes these guys are going to end up playing against UCLA on Friday night. I think you might see them, especially, uh, you know, a Longino or if he needs to go to one of the bigs, but uh, I think you're going to see a little more limited minutes uh, in those bigger games. Yeah, I have been so excited to talk about depth Yes, from two minutes into when this game started because I completely agree with everything you said. But with that being said, Archer Diakono came in at the 1437 mark. Mm-hmm. Patterson, Longino, and Njoku came in at the 11 or 12 minute mark. So this yep. game certainly was wasn't out of hand at that point and i think we can still attribute it to the fact that jay wright knew the caliber of opponent he was playing and i don't mean that in a bad way it just is what it is i was so happy to see the guys get some minutes and i i don't think we need to be critiquing and putting a microscope to their offensive numbers no, i don't think not yet there is going to be any sort of offensive presence honestly from any of them from patterson longino or Njoku, but you saw Njoku be pretty confident with the ball and defense. We'll get more into the rebounding in a second. You saw Longino be pretty athletic and he was able to spread the floor like we thought he could. And Trey Patterson definitely definitely didn't look as comfortable as we might have hoped, but it's the first game of the season. You have to make sure that you're giving grace to these players. The fact that we saw them was honestly pretty stunning. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 players think back in your head the last Mm -hmm. time Villanova played 10 players in a game because I can't remember it off the top of my head no and remember this is what Brian Antoine injured as well exactly (laughs) great point so no I I don't expect the rotation to go 10 deep throughout the season I think it will get cut back a little bit but it was great to see these freshmen get out and and, you know just get a chance to get their feet and that's that's what this was for them um so I, I think we'll be able to make a little bit more and see who Jay really trust and where he's going to go to yep. very, very quickly <laughs> when, uh, when they do play UCLA, but um, just of course, great to see them get, get the feet wet. No, it's a luxury to have these games early to give the guys the minutes. And it's such an asset for again, Jay to see who he can trust either for this season, if especially for the bigs to see if they're going to need help down low, but also for next season, mm-hmm. because the freshmen have the luxury to play under Colin and Jermaine. They don't have to be immediate contributors like Moore and JRE were their freshman year. They can use this year, get some minutes, maybe average even four or five minutes a game, 
and just keep that experience all within themselves so that next year they can really contribute. And the year after that, because we know that Villanova is the school of leaps year after year. So I was really happy. I mean, another testament to how wonderful of a coach Jay Wright is, that he knew this was his strategy going in and it worked so well. Again, Nana and Joko and Joko played two practices mm-hmm. all off season long. And he was in within the first 10 minutes. So small claps for Nana, absolutely amazing. And he didn't look like he had no idea what was going on, which I thought was very impressive. (laughs) Yeah, no, listen, he made an impact that my favorite part of his game was he blocked the shot at the end there as time was expiring, which was, which was great to see. And then two last positives I wanted to hit on before we transition a little bit. Uh, The rebirth of the Mikhail Bridges press coming back with Brandon Slater taking the Bridges role, which uh, I'm very excited to see that because I think, you know, Jay looks at it and this isn't going to be the best defensive team this year, but what they can do is be a little more aggressive and take a little bit more of a gamble and try and force some turnovers. And that's what they did where they were able to force 18. Uh, we'll talk about the defense as we transition. Uh, so I thought that was very exciting. It's, I do find it that you could question, say, bring it out against Mount St. Mary's and now UCLA has the tape of seeing how it runs. I, I could have, I can see the argument for waiting until that game, but I also do like the test run of it, being able yeah. to break it out here. And I was just happy to see that back because it, it, they haven't run that in a little while now or consistently in a little while. And we saw it for a ton of the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind pulling it out early. We talk a lot about the experience on this team and how experience wins. And that's true. But this team also has a lot of young pieces. Mm -hmm. And even though I just said that whole thing about how they might not be forced, we might not be forced to rely upon them, they could still be big contributors down the stretch. So I don't really have a problem with it. And I'll just say, too, one last point about the young guys. I don't think the words garbage minutes should be in effect this year. No, I don't either. Any time that Nana and Joku and Jordan Longino especially get, I put Trey Patterson in a different category because I do think he will be relied upon this year heavily. Any time that those two guys get is just house money at this Mm -hmm. point. Anything we get from them is house money because this should be their learning year. And instead they might have the opportunity to really contribute. So I don't think garbage time exists. Anytime they get, I think they're really going to be quote unquote in a tryout to see what they can do in the future. Any experience is really, really important. And then one last thing, just to note for something that I'm sure made Jay Wright very, very happy, 13 of 14 from the foul line as well. Uh, So that's that's my positives for it. Is there anything else you wanted to hit before we move to the defense and rebounding segment? (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to talk about Arch quickly. And I wanted to, to pat you on the back, actually, for what you said about Arch in your player preview, because he is going to be a guy this year. He mm-hmm. was the seventh man off the bench. I'm sorry. I don't have that off the top of my or head. Or seventh man, second man off the bench. Seventh man, second man off the bench. Thank you. I said seventh man off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a lot. No, Daniels was the sixth man. Arch was the seventh. He had that layup, which was really just tragic. Oh, it hurt. That hurt me. That, that offensive game is obviously still a work in progress, but he bought the intensity right after he missed that layup. Guess what he did? Two steals or another steal, one of the best, me. one of the best steals that we might see all season. He just absolutely picked the pocket of his defender. So I love that. I think that's what we can expect from him. That's really, that's really where he's going to elevate his game. And we'll still wait a little bit on the offensive end, but I was impressed by him. Zero turnovers. 
Again, right? Again, he is the spitting image of Colin Gillespie and how much intensity he brings. And you can just rely on him to be a really strong ball handler. And that's all they need. Again, they don't need uh, Chris Archidiakono to score six to eight points a game. They have other guys that can do that. They just need Archidiakono to protect the ball while he's on the court when Colin's on the bench. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and play some strong defense, which we saw with the two steals. So excited to see his role continue to expand throughout the year. Yep. And then literally because he's basically the only guy we didn't mention, I thought Dixon looked good. Not as big as I would have hoped. I'm still a little nervous about that, but I guess we can use that as our segue into yeah, defense and rebound. I, I say I, I didn't mention him because I did think it was a quieter game from Eric Dixon than I would have liked yep. to have seen. Um, yep. I don't think he looked particularly great um, d- down the floor. It's okay. You know, it's game one. He played the least minutes of any of the starters. I, I think that's uh, you know, a, a telling stat there and that I do think these lineups are going to change around a lot. And I really do believe that Samuels and Slater are going to be in. Listen, it's game one. It's okay. He still put up seven points to go with it, but I, I am looking for a little bit more of a presence from him at center. Yeah. He just didn't seem super versatile or comfortable. And I thought we were past that. So that was a little bit disappointing. Did step out to the three. You're, you're right. That shot was good. It, it At that point, it was like a 30 point game. That's but- true. Again, the fact that Jay was able to use so many rotations is, I think, down deep, a very good thing. We're Mm -hmm. able to experiment. And of course, you're going to see higher caliber opponents in the future. But I don't think the panic button needs to be pressed about about Eric Dixon yet. No, definitely not. Okay. All right, let's go. Let's go into the the defense and the rebounding. Yeah. So I'll start on the defensive side of things. I. I definitely think if you're coming out of this game, of course you're thrilled with the fact that Villanova put up 91. You may even look at the fact that Mount St. Mary's only scored 51 and say, well, they must have played great on defense. What it really did come down to was those turnovers. And, you know, the fact that they pushed Mount St. Mary's into a lot of bad decisions defensively, you know, that they were very good in getting their hands in lanes and, and turning the ball over. But interior defense definitely was not great. They were especially susceptible or susceptible to, to weak side cuts, anything on the baseline. They were a little slow getting over to kind of the, those backdoor type plays. Mount St. Mary's was able to hit them there multiple times over and over again. It's I think it's a little concerning because, again, it goes to that interior defense it goes to the post where we know Villanova is not huge and they don't have that dominant type post player. I, I don't even know if you're looking for dominance here. I was looking for a little better than that. It felt, listen, again, I, we've said it like nine times. We'll continue to say it through this episode. It's game one. So I don't expect everything to be completely up to par for what we'll see later in the season, but it did feel like some of the rotation, some of the help was a little slow getting over there yesterday. That's exactly where I wanted to go with the help. I will lead with the positive like you did. 18 turnovers. Mm-hmm. They Certainly scored to look 27 at. points off of those turnovers. And that's why you're able to shy away from those bad things because that was so good. That being said, not every team is going to be as sloppy with the ball on offense as no. St. Mary's is, especially the next opponent they face. Yeah. I thought the guard defense was good. I thought Justin Moore was really, really great on defense and Colin too, I think looked really sharp and that's mm-hmm. always been a weaker part of his game. Down low, definitely a problem. We knew that. And it seemed like at times the the, the coverage was just a little bit off. There, there seemed to be a little bit of a weak spot in terms of that help, like you mentioned at the end, and somebody forgot to run over there or they were a step too slow. And maybe that's communication. Maybe that's the first game of the season. They had, though, the 
the cushion of knowing that St. Mary's Mount St. Mary's didn't have the offense to keep up. Mm-hmm. And it just, every single time that happened, it scared me because UCLA does have the offense. Uh, that's exactly up. what I was going to say is while they were yeah. able to get away with it today and just, or yesterday and just overpower uh, Mount St. Mary's with their offense, it's not going to be the same deal against a lot of these, you know, these bigger teams, the Tennessee's, the Purdue's that they'll have to play right. the Baylor's later in the season. So yeah. uh, again, as we said, very early, but I would like to see some better rotation and just a little more structure uh, down towards the basket because it did feel like things broke down there more than a couple times. Yeah, and the offensive rebounds were the same, seven for both teams. I mm-hmm. think the defense faltered down the stretch, and at that point it was a 20-plus point lead, so you kind of take your eyes off a little bit more. But I didn't think Eric Dixon was as strong around the rim. I thought actually – Samuels was stronger than Dixon around the rim. Kale Daniels had some good rebounds as well. Yeah, and Daniels actually had a really strong game, which is great, but I was disappointed that Dixon couldn't be that guy. And it's Mm -hmm. still early, but there wasn't as much of rim protection, forcing to get those 50-50 balls on the defensive end from the big guys. So I guess that leads into the question, do you think when Dixon's on the bench, it's going to be Daniels, Samuels, Slater down low? Uh, I think you'll see a lot of that. And not, not even that Daniels down low. I think Daniels is just a very good rebounding guard. He's so for, physical. Yeah. yeah, for for his position. But I do think Slater and Samuels are going to have to pitch in a, a pretty big margin of rebounds throughout the season. And I worry Caleb Daniels has always been the foul trouble. I worry that Eric he had three Dixon, again yesterday. Yep. Yeah, I worry that Eric Dixon will kind of fall into that same category. He also had three just with the frustration that comes with being the smaller guy and being mm-hmm. bullied by the other guys. It's, it's a fair point. I, I think Daniels, you know, didn't mention it in the positives. Don't want to fully put him in the negatives either. Cause I don't think that's fair. He didn't fully get into the game on an offensive state, but you know, you look around his, his full stat line. And as we said, he had five rebounds, he had an assist, he had two steals, you know, he was able to get to the foul line. So I kind of put him in the middle there where yeah. I, I'd love to see him. He only took two field goals, which I think is very surprising for, for Caleb Daniels, um, but did pitch in in other ways, which I, you know, I think you must, you got to be happy about. Yeah. I, I thought he had a couple of nice drives. I was overall, I felt like he didn't do anything to hurt the team. No, I, that sounds a little harsh, but I think that was sometimes what was happening last year. He didn't turn it over. And that's something he that he had issues over. with last he year. Also, when I was looking into the, the stats about Slater start too, Daniel started 24 of 25 games last year. So I actually think there, there might be a, a serious mental aspect to Caleb Daniels game this season. As he tries to redefine his role on this team off the bench, if Slater continues to start And then again, what we've talked about is he's still recovering from COVID-19 or maybe now, as Jay said, he's hundred percent, he's perfectly healthy, but he's still getting back into that 100% conditioning shape that he wasn't in all season long. When he started last year, he was putting up 12 to 15 points a game. I wonder how his role is going to shift. You only see him put up two shots that make, that makes me think, oh, maybe he's shifting his priority to the defensive Mm -hmm. end. Maybe he's going to try to go to the rim more. Maybe he's trying to get to the foul line more. So I I actually think that was one of the most interesting storylines coming out of this game. What version of Caleb Daniels are we going to see all season long? 
Yeah, it is. And and in this game, he didn't have to score because you yep. saw Slater bring in so many points because Justin Moore went off because Gillespie put in a solid game, you know, and, and on and on. So he did impact the game in other ways. And that's fine. It doesn't always have to be through scoring. I just I would like to see him a little bit more involved because I think we know Caleb can be a, a very competent scorer. Yeah, definitely. And I think a weakness of last year's team and even the year before that was that they were so reliant on their starters. Mm hmm. Anytime a starter had to go to the bench, you just held your breath because you knew that the bench depth wasn't as strong. I think there's a, a real, real possibility. Not Possibility might not even be the, the right word. It's a reality this year that there's going to be a lot of bench contributions. So you hope that those guys can continue to step up so that there doesn't have to be as much of a reliance. There can be, again, not 10 deep, but maybe eight or nine deep, like Jay was talking about at the beginning of the season, that can seem almost as good as the a squad that goes out there sure no i i agree uh anything else you want to hit before we kind of move into a little ucla i don't think so i think that was everything i had yeah we pretty much mentioned everybody i think overall this was a really exciting game everything happened offensively that i hoped would and they just came out really grooving and usually it it takes a few games for villanova's offense to click this much it was a 40.1 win and uh, yeah. I think <laughs> enough said. So I think mo- most of Nova Nation was was very very happy with how that turned out, and and what it was, it, it really acts as a dress rehearsal for what the, you know for what we're about to talk about right now. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. I am so excited for the USCLA game tomorrow night, eleven thirty. Make sure you get a good night's sleep tonight. Lots of coffee. Uh, lots of coffee as well. So we'll talk a little bit about their first game, their season opener. They're also ranked as the number two team in the country, remember. They won 95-58 over CSU. Their their mascot is CSU Bakersfield. Their mascot is the Roadrunners, Pat. That's pretty good. Love that, yeah. I, I love when these uh, the huge schools go up against just very random ones like what Gonzaga CSU played. CSU Bakersfield. Yeah, Gonzaga played Dixie State. Which uh, I found out is in Utah on the ESPN broadcast last night. So yep. you know, you never know what you're going to learn. No, there's always some good ones. Yeah, four of their five starters were in double figures. Johnny Juzang, AP, preseason All American, 19. Jules Bernard had 19. Watch out for him. And I know you wanted to talk about Cody Riley too. Yeah, absolutely. So Cody Riley, six nine forward, most likely out on Friday. We you know we don't know it for sure yet but he did injure his knee after just playing four minutes. Uh, He's a very good forward for them in the front court. The thing with UCLA is that they have plenty of depth up to go in there. I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see see Miles Johnson, who's a grad transfer from Rutgers, go in and take his minutes. They've also got two more seven-footers on the bench that can come in. Uh, You know, you talk about size and interior presence, and we say that that's a weakness for Villanova. Well, UCLA has that, you know, a lot of that, uh, it, not only just in their full big men, but Johnny Juzang's a big dude. Jaime Haquez is everywhere and, and is all over the boards and is another, you know, a bigger type wing player. This is a very difficult matchup for Villanova. UCLA is very, very good, um, but this is super exciting. It's a marquee matchup. It's a chance for the Cats to really go out there and use it as a measuring stick for one of many very good non-conference games this year, but this may be the best of them. Yep, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. That's why it's at eleven thirty p.m. Right. <laughs> One of my biggest takeaways, just looking at the box score of this game, is the minute distribution. No starter averaged more than twenty five minutes, and they had five, one, two, three, four, five, six guys off the bench 
averaged more than 15. Again, that's because it was almost a 40 point game, but they have a lot of options. They are yes, really, they really deep team. They brought a lot of guys back from that final four run. Like we talked about in the non-conference schedule breakdown. Yeah, this, this is a really, really serious matchup. I think Johnny Juzang versus Colin Gillespie is going to be electric. I think Miles Johnson is going to be electric. I actually expected him to play more in the season opener. He only had 18 minutes. Maybe this opens a lane for him in Cody Riley's wake. Mm-hmm. They are so balanced. I mean, Jules Bernard put up eight threes yeah. on Tuesday night. They're good. That's, cr- that's crazy. No, you're right. If you haven't seen Johnny Juzang play, you know, you're in for a treat and being able to watch just how talented he is. And I know Juzang is the one that gets most of the, the press, but really watch Hakez. Uh, he is such a stud. He is so good. He's so well-rounded. He's going to be a tough matchup. And what it is, is, you know, we, we talked about it a little on the preview uh, for our non-conference and we don't want to beat that again, but this is a huge game for Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater on the defensive side of the ball. They need to make an impact and they need to be on their A game because they are going up against some really, really strong scores. Definitely. And I'll add Caleb Daniels to that mix mm-hmm. too. If he's going to be the physical guy that they can turn to, this is a good measuring stick game for him as well. Yep. And for Nova too, we talk about it. They play a little slower on offense. Of course, it's one game for sample size. So how much do you really want to put into it? But UCLA fourth shortest average possession in the country after one game. I love that. I love these They're going to push it. Nova. They yep. are going to push it. It's This is an interesting game. But also looking at the odds makers, UCLA is only a two and a half point home favorite. So they definitely think Villanova's in it as they should be. Um, so yep. this this is an exciting one. This is the one we've all been waiting for. I definitely think that's a compliment facing the fourth team. The, the final four team from last year being only a two point underdog on the it's road, it's going to be tough on the road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's going to totally be decided in the first two or three minutes. I think whoever oh, wow. sets the tempo for this game, I think it is a nail biter. We were also so dead wrong about Mount St. Mary's Villanova being a rock fight. Remember when we said that? Yeah, that was my awkward. fault. Awkward. We both said it was going to be such a low scoring game. This one, though, I am 100% confident that it will be a high-scoring game. Villanova is going to try to control the tempo. UCLA is going to try and speed things up like they always do. There's going to be a ton of scoring. There might not be a lot of great defense, Hmm. but it's going to come down to who sets the tone, who controls the pace, and which big man steps up, which defense can make some key stops. Can Villanova force the turnovers again like they did against Mount St. Mary's? Because that would be super vital. Yeah, and this is when this is where you really see what the defense can be, right? Mm-hmm. I was really impl- impressed by Colin and Justin and their defensive play. Let's see them stack up against Takez and Juzang. What yeah, a measuring without stick. a doubt. All right, you got a prediction? Uh, begrudgingly, I will go seventy-eight, seventy-two UCLA. Okay, I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. I'll say eighty-five, eighty UCLA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know we both picked UCLA on our season preview, so don't want (laughs) to, don't want to venture out from it just from a week ago. This is a tough game. Villanova absolutely can win this game, but uh, it it is a tall, tall order. Yeah. I mean, talk about huge. Also UCLA was not great from the free throw line in Mm -hmm. game one, 76.9% as opposed to Villanova's 92.9. I think it's going to be close. Definitely within a five point game. Gonna be a fun one. Let's yeah. uh, let's do it. <laughs> Drink that awesome. coffee, everyone. <laughs> exactly. Make sure you stay up for that game. All right. So we are actually going to introduce a new segment. Uh, once once or twice a week, probably. We're going to call it the Whip Around the Big East. We're just going to give a quick preview about what happened 
in the few days since we last heard from you. And this is a really good day to start because as Pat said at the beginning, after night one, the Big East is undefeated. UConn, Butler, Providence, Xavier, St. John's, Creighton, and Marquette won all of their games on Tuesday night. ACC can't say the same. Thank you, Navy, with that win over Virginia, uh, which is awesome to see the midshipmen get that. But yes, as you said, everyone did win on night one. You've got Seton Hall and DePaul coming into action on Wednesday night with Georgetown very weirdly uh, following for their first game on Saturday. So a little bit of a wait still. I know to to watch the Hoyas. I mean, it it was (laughs) these games either went one of two ways. You were either in the Villanova St. John's UConn a bucket where you just blew out your opponent or you were in the Marquette Xavier Creighton Providence Butler one where these games were close and it was turbulent Sweating and it was it tough. Out, yeah. I mean, Xavier only won by three against Niagara shout out to the purple Eagles as it is my dad's alma mater, um, but Marquette, you know, struggled a little bit. Creighton was down big for a while against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. We talked about, you know, Providence and, and Fairfield and, and Butler never really pulled away too much, uh, you know, until the end there. So I guess when it's all said and done, everyone won, but uh, definitely varying degrees of difficulty throughout the night. Yeah, I have a few words to say about some of them. The first is that we were extremely high on UConn and we might not have been high enough. They're tough. Providence, (laughs) Nate Watson could make this team do some pretty crazy things. Xavier, I think you can be highly concerned after that first game because I'm sorry, Mr. Zhang, but a three-point <laughs> win over Niagara, little concerning. Be careful. Be little careful. Concerning. <laughs> and then the reason why I wanted to implement this segment, as I told Pat, St. John scored 119 points. 119 points in their season opener. It was against Mississippi Valley State. I get it. Blue blood. Posh Alexander was their leading scorer with 18 points. Julian Champagne had another incredible game. St. John's, St. John's pushed the pace like we knew they would. They were absolutely menacing and stifling on defense. They limited their opponent to just 18 points in the first half. And man, they're going to be scary. Watch out for Mike Anderson's boys. They are right? tough. They are tough. Yeah. So that's what it'll be. Just a little bit on oh, each team as we I, get closer. Oh, I actually have one more thing. It, oh my God. Go for it. It, it it would have been Big East, so this is actually going to break a lot of people's hearts, but how can we not oh, talk no. about Trevor Keels? And, oh. you know, Villanova, of course, the runner-up for Trevor Keels, not all that long ago, commits to Duke and comes out at the Champions Classic and puts up 25. He was so impressive. I'm not even sure I realized how big he was when I would watch mm-hmm. his, you know, his highlights and read about him and knowing how close Villanova was to him. He's most likely going to be a one-and-done. I'm not totally sure how we would have fit into the Villanova rotation, but after watching one night against Kentucky, oh, does it sting that he picked Duke? I actually legitimately had to stop reading articles because Mm -hmm. it hurts so badly that he didn't come to Villanova. It's so funny that you said that you don't know how he would have worked. I'm pretty sure Jay Wright would have done just fine fitting him into the rotation. I think so. I think he might have. Might have found a way to get him in a couple minutes. Yeah, man, Duke Duke looks Duke looks pretty good this year. Coach K's final ride. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. I I I it's actually so funny that you said that. I thought the same exact thing. Had to I do it. Trevor Keels. Had <sighs> to do it. That that was my main one. And also Jeremy Roach is on that team too for Duke. Yep. He also considered Nova for a very long time. So, you know, at Villanova playing Johnny Juzang, UCLA. Ah, oh, so many Nova connections everywhere. Um I know. but uh no, had to had to throw that in there uh, for one last part. 
And other good note, in, in other good news though, because Pat is obviously trying to depress everyone yeah, as we it's end my the fault. episode. It's my fault. Letters of intent were signed yesterday. Cam Whitmore, Mark Armstrong, Brendan Housen are now firmly members of the next upcoming Villanova recruiting class. So that's exciting. 12th best recruiting class in the country, according to 247 Sports, and some very, very exciting prospects, of course, headlined by Cam Whitmore. Yeah, I'm excited. That's a good class for yes, sure. Yes, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. But Sweet. wow, that was our first kind of game recap, game preview type episode. That was fun. I like it. I it's nice to it. finally have some some game action to talk about, right? It, oh yeah, to finally be able to go off of something instead of predictions was uh yep. was really really nice. But all right, Nova Nation, everyone feeling good after that forty point win against Mount St. Mary's? As I said, I hope everyone's drinking their coffee and is ready for a late start on Friday night at Pauley Pavilion against UCLA. But that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation, presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating as well, and follow us on Twitter at S O N N Pod. We will be back at it on Tuesday. Everyone, enjoy the game. Go Cats and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.